Welcome to Global Outpouring. I'm Philip Buss. And I'm Sharon Buss. Welcome to our podcast today. When you're looking at real estate, there are three things that determine the value of real estate. Location, location, and location. So the question is, where are you living? Where are you located? And who's living with you? Psalm 91 verse 1 says, He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I, I kind of like the, the way that um, the Passion Translation puts it. it it's kind of poetic. When you sit enthroned under the shadow of Shaddai, you are hidden in the strength of God Most High. Or, or it can also be translated, or you who sits enthroned. The Hebrew word yeshav is often associated with one seated as royalty. It's translated in Ezekiel 27, 8 as rulers, leaders or rulers. And, and so you can, you can see that uh, this, is, this is the people who are dwelling with him. As you read Psalm 91, it's really all about um, the people who are really living in his presence. It's mm-hmm. people who have de- dedicated themselves to his presence, who really are paying attention you know, you can't you can't just live haphazardly and say, um, "Oh, God bless me," and go on about your own thing. This is about people who are living in His shadow, living close to Him. You know, I I think His shadow is is uh, is more like living in His glow, because hmm. mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. you know, in Him there's no variableness or shadow of turning. It it's uh, it's a place where where God Himself is enthroned and you know as as we are seated in Christ in heavenly places we're enthroned too mm, yes it's 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 like by location you're in two places at once you're living on the earth but you're also living seated in heavenly places in Christ and so that's a living place that's a location mm-hmm. then Jesus goes on to say in in his uh, they call it the upper room discourse. It's the last sermon that Jesus gave to his disciples where he's giving them his, his parting words, his parting instructions, and his parting comfort. And he says in, in John fifteen four, Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine, no more can you except you abide in me. And in some of the... Other translations, it says, live in me. Yeah. And that gives a whole nother perspective of that word. You know, it's like Christ in you, the hope of glory. I'll read this in the, in the Passion. So you must remain in life union with me. That's beautiful. For I remain in life union with you. For as a branch severed from the vine will not bear fruit, so your life will be fruitless unless you live your life intimately joined to mine. Remember that episode we did a few weeks back called Joined? Exclamation yes. mark. Yeah. That's, that's this, this place of being one with him. It's yeah. more than what is your address, you know, 325 Byron Road, you know, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
it, being in life union, it's a that sounds like a, a, a wedding, a marriage kind mm -hmm. of a thing, because um, that's really what marriage is a picture of. And we talked about that also in the episodes with um, with Pastor Justin Goff about how things work in the spirit, the, about head and body that, you know, we're joined to him. He's the head and we're the body. So going on, here's another place that uh, that we can look at to live. Uh, Romans chapter 8, verse 1. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. It's a place. Yeah. It's a place we're in, in him. Who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. Uh, and and I, I love how it's worded in the Passion Translation, where I won't go into it to read it. But if you if you look in, in the Passion Translation in chapter 7, it talks about how the real me is my spirit. The real me wants to live in this place. And it's the it's that operation of sin that's going on in me and in that in my soul realm that keeps me living in that place of condemnation and sin. But thanks be to God, Jesus Christ paid for us so that we can live in life union with him. And yes. and uh, and it goes on. Do you have it? Do you have a, the Passion Translation for Romans eight one? Yes. So now the case is closed. There remains no accusing voice of condemnation against those who are joined in life union with Jesus, the Anointed One. It's just like when we are in union with the Lord. It's like the Lord takes his gavel and yeah. just slams it down. Yeah. Case closed. That's you know, right. I've paid the price. Now, all you have to do is walk straight. Right. Yeah. And and not only does he give us the order to walk straight, but he gives us his Holy Spirit to enable us to walk straight. He gives us his grace to enable us to walk straight. So does that mean we're kind of like on probation? Well, we're certainly being watched. We're and, being and, watched. <laughs> and every, everything is being recorded. We're being monitored. Yes. Uh, but it but it also says uh, another way to translate that is those who are in Christ Jesus cannot be condemned. Mm -hmm. You know the judge is going to look at Jesus. He's going to look at we're clothed in His robe of righteousness. We've been forgiven, yeah. but that doesn't allow you to walk in sin, mm -hmm. to practice sin. There's a difference. There's a difference in uh, in First John where it's. There's a place where it says those that are in Christ don't sin. And then there's another place that says those who do sin. If we do sin, yes. Yeah. Uh -huh. at, at what, what it's talking about is the first one is talking about those who practice sin are, are liars. They're not, they're not really living the life. They're liars because they're practicing sin. It's, there's a whole difference between practicing mm -hmm. sin and having a, an occasional thing where Oh, I got duped. I just I missed fell it. for it, or or yeah. yeah, I wanted to do that, and and then oh, I wish I hadn't done that. <laughs> yeah, and there's grace for that. There's mm -hmm. there's forgiveness for that in the blood of Jesus Christ. The blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. Yes, and that's that's where we live. We live in that life union with Him. That life union that causes our our father, the judge, to see Jesus instead of to see our shortcomings. He sees his strength instead of our weaknesses. Yeah. That's where his strength is made perfect, is in our weakness. Yes. 
So in the book of Romans, in chapter 12, verse 5, um, it says about, so we, being many, are one body in Christ. In Christ. There we are. That's the location again. And every one members one of another. And I'll read that in the Passion. And so it is in the body of Christ. For though we are many, we've all been mingled into one body in Christ. This means that we are all vitally joined to one another, with each contributing to the others. Back in the, the days when Jesus walked on the earth with his, with the disciples, there were no denominations. Right. You know, there was just the church, the body, and even in the book of Acts, you know, it was the church. But it wasn't until later years when when things start getting an analytical and <laughs> this and that, well, this we need to do this, this does that, that does church that split, one. Church split, church split. And how many denominations have there been since the book of Acts to right now? Oh my. There's been many. Many have come and gone, but we're all one in Christ Jesus. And we have to get to the point, especially in the days we're living in, it's not like what denomination you came out of or that, but we have one common goal. We're all one in Christ Jesus. True. You know, it's like Paul said, um, some said, I'm of Apollos, I'm a Paul, and did Apollos baptize you, or did I baptize you? And, right. and you know, and, and yeah, one can have their favorite teacher. This one, I get more, I get more out of this one than I do that one, and we tend to follow one maybe more to the other. And then, and sometimes it says, well, da, 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 you know, and it's kind of like it causes division. And we have to keep our spirits open all the time. Right. You know, because you never know who God can drop in your path that can impart something into your life that maybe it's uh, even a different denomination or belief than you are. It's true. And I like the, those, that phrase, we are all vitally joined to one another. And vitally has to do with life. Vitality, you know, we mm -hmm. we draw life from each other, and and we're mingled together in one body in Christ, and that's why it's so important that we don't let our differences really separate us. You know, it's it's like the stomach is very different from the ear, <laughs> but they're they're both really important in the body. They don't really look like each other. They don't sound like each other. They don't act like each other. They but but the body needs both of them. And that's that's a place where we live. We mm -hmm. live in the body. We live in Christ first. We're we're all joined to the head, and the head runs all of the organs and runs all of the muscles and all of the bones and and tendons and ligaments, et cetera, et cetera. But we we need each other, and and the more we can have that mindset of recognizing each other and honoring each other so that we can flow together and work together and, and love each other. Mm. You don't have to agree with people to be able to love them. I, I think of the illustration of uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg and Antonin Scalia. They, they were poles apart in their opinions legally, but they were very good friends. They were close friends. And if they can, you know, one is super liberal and one super conservative can be friends— why can't the body of Christ hmm. be loving to each other? Yeah. We really should be able to. Yeah. So going on, we see that if uh, in 2 Corinthians 5.17, it says, therefore, if any man be in Christ, there's our location, what happens? He is a new creature. creature. Being in Christ, 
makes us an entirely new creation. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. It's like it's like tearing the house down and building a brand new one. It's like when you get when you get saved and you just you know just the presence of the Lord on you and you feel like a brand new person. Yes, and you, you are know, a brand and new you, person. Because you are. You are what you feel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and it's the real you. The real you. Yeah. Your spirit just connected. Yes. Your spirit, which came from God, came from heaven. You know, and, and God breathed into you, you have a soul, but it's the spirit that connects with God. And when and when it connects with God, it's just you know, it's just like nu- it's nuclear you- Spiritual nuclear fission happens. There you go. There you go. <laughs> and and what happens is that in within that fission, you become joined in a in a complete bond mm-hmm. that that cannot be broken. You you're when you're really joined, you're joined. Uh, I I like how the Passion Translation puts that one too. It says, "Now if anyone is enfolded into Christ, isn't that beautiful? Mm-hmm. Enfolded into Christ." He has become an entirely new creation. All that is related to the old order has vanished. And that, I'm going to the footnote footnote now, this would include our old identity, our old life of sin, the power of Satan, the religious works of trying to please God, our old relationship with the world and our old mindsets. We are not reformed or simply refurbished. We are made completely new by our union with Christ and by the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. And then it goes on to say, behold, everything is fresh and new. God does it. Amen. And he does a good job of it. Yeah. So that's where we live. Now, who lives with us? We've already touched on it. The indwelling of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit dwells in us. When we, We can't even become that new creature without the Holy Spirit coming to us. But then there's there's that experience where we... Uh, become baptized in the Holy Spirit, where we become filled with the Holy Spirit. And in that filling, I think we've used this illustration before, it's like you can fill a glass, but then you can put that glass into a tank of water so that, so that it's, it's both the water's in you and you're in the water. Mm-hmm. And that's the way it's supposed to be, that, that we've got this Christ in us, the hope of glory, and us in Christ. So going back to John 15, we have verse 7 that says, If you abide in me, that's the location where we live, and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will, and it shall be done unto you. So you, his words dwell in us. Mm-hmm. So we dwell in him, and his words dwell in us. So that, that word, that word, I believe, is logos. No, excuse me, I think it's rhema. It's, mm-hmm. it's that spirit spoken word that that becomes revelation to us mm-hmm. when you eat the word of god when you're you're feasting on his word it becomes a part of you just like whatever you eat becomes a part of you that, that's why it's important to eat good food rather than junk food you eat junk food and you have junk food as a part of your being you know part of your makeup you know it goes into um, your cells it's like you are what you eat natural right. and spiritual Exactly. And, you know, and in the in the Passion, it says also on John fifteen seven. But if you live in life union with me, and if my words live powerfully within you, then you can ask whatever you desire, 
and it will be done. And if the Word of God lives powerfully within you, and that comes by fellowship with a communion with Him, you're not going to ask things that you would that you wouldn't normally, mm-hmm. you know, because you're you're more if you're walking in a much more mature state, and which affects your physical life too, you know, and you won't ask amiss. I think is That's another way, way to, to say that. It. That's you know. a good way to put it. There's a footnote there that says the Aramaic is translated. My words take hold or are strong within you. Mm. That's what happens when you meditate on the word. It comes into you. And and there's there's multiple levels of revelation within every word in the in the word of God. That's why you can see so many different translations and they're, you know, sometimes they're quite different from each other. Mm-hmm. And probably they're probably all somewhat accurate. You know, it, it, in in terms of, you, you know, because the the original word might have five or six different meanings, mm-hmm. so you you can you can usually tell from the context which one it should be, but you can also infer that this could also mean, and and you can dig deeper, and you can dig deeper, and that's why it's important for us to study. Now, why are we why are we even talking about this today? We are dedicated to contend for the outpouring mm-hmm. of the Holy Spirit, the big one, the big yeah. one that's coming. But we're also contending to to equip and learning where to live and how, who, with whom to live is a part of our equipment. If we are not equipped by living in the right place, living in Christ, or or if we don't have the Word of God dwelling in us, and we're going to go look at some other things that the... That should be living in us, the Holy Spirit living in us. These these are things that equip us to be prepared to minister and engage as the outpouring continues to grow. We're already seeing it happening. We're seeing it happening in all over the world. The Holy Spirit is being poured out, but it's about to go exponential. It's about to go beyond our wildest imagination. Yes. So that's why it's so critical at this point that we press into the presence of God yes. and that we press into his word and that we press into the Holy Spirit to be equipped to operate and engage in this outpouring. Amen. Hallelujah. So let's go on to Colossians 3.16. This is kind of the scripture that started me on this whole path. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. Yeah, so it's always keep keeping the song of the Lord in your heart. And you know, back when I was I was backslidden and <laughs> and my mom always had a song. She did. And she was a violinist, pianist. She was always humming, you know, this, this or that. And it used to drive me up a tree. It's just like <laughs> I wanted to turn the turn the rock and roll up a little louder. <laughs> you know, because I didn't want to hear it because she was happy. Well, she had this relationship with the Lord and I didn't. And that was my choice. And, you know, I want to listen to what I want to listen to, you know, and it wasn't God. But Were you when, happy? No, I wasn't happy. You know, you're never really happy. You know, you can you can get anything you want. You could go out, and I had a 66 GTO, you know. Wow. Does that make you happy? Well, in spurts, maybe, but it doesn't really make you happy. <laughs> not deep down. You know, it feeds your soul, but not your spirit, because your spirit is from God, comes from God, 
And if you're not working where you should, you have this walking where you should. You have this war in your members, as Paul would say. You have this soul fighting against the Spirit because the Spirit is just crying out for for God from which he came from, and your soul is uh, is abiding on the earth, you know, and all the all the gravel and everything going on down <laughs> down here, you know, and and it's just you don't want anything to do with God, but when if you can keep that attitude of worship, yes. you know, and, and just you know, because if you, if you can just keep that presence of the Lord, and you know, He gives you songs, you can sing the Psalms, you can take the Book of Psalms. And you can just pick them, even you call it psalmon. I think I've heard that before. And you can take a psalm and you could create your own melody with it, just singing it onto the Lord. And that's a good way to practice, you know, especially if you're a songwriter. And that, and you develop, and pretty soon you're just singing, singing onto the Lord. And then you just feel his presence come in such a stronger way. And, and that's, that's what we need to do. Yeah, it's true. And and the Word of God, when it lives in you and grows in you, it richly it richly empowers you. It it uh, and and it pours wisdom into you. You when you have the Scriptures flowing through you, I you know I I continually for years. You know we've been married what thirty nine years now, and it used to astound me how just out of the blue Philip would quote a a scripture just you know it might even just be a phrase that is that fits the situation it might even be funny how it fits how he he makes it fit it's it was evidence that he'd been pouring the word in and what we, what went in was coming out you know whatever you whatever your heart is mulling over is what's going to come out your mouth yeah that's true. And so that's how the that's how the psalms and hymns and spiritual songs come out too and and it just pours grace into our hearts and it and it affects the atmosphere around you just kind of like it, it was an annoying atmosphere to Philip when his <laughs> mother did it but but she was happy and and it was affecting the atmosphere in the home and keeping that thing under control mm-hmm. so that yeah. that rebellion wasn't ruling the house. <laughs> it was the grace of God that was yeah. ruling the house. Yeah. I want to go on to Romans, sure, uh, go for it. Romans 8 and 11. But if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwelleth in you. And the more the spirit of the Lord that's in you, the more he quickens you and quickly he will quicken you in a situation, a circumstance. Yes. And, you know, if you're in your car and you're just worshiping, singing and praise the Lord, and all of a sudden you can find like impulsive, pull off at this exit, you know, or something, you know, get off here or something like that. It's mm-hmm. just like, it'll make the direction of the Lord clear because there's a reason to get off here. Maybe for, to save you out of ax, out of an accident yeah. or to minister somebody in a gas station. It's true. You know, we, we just don't know. But if we're, if the spirit of him that is in us, you know, that same spirit that, that raised Christ from the dead and quickens our mortal bodies, it'll take all that spiritual death out of us. True, you know. true, true, true. And, you know, this is this is talking about the resurrection, but it's not only talking about the resurrection. It, you know, when when the, the bodies are going to come up out of the ground, it's talking also about this resurrection life that yeah. we can live in now that empowers us to move forward in, in the power of God. 
So mm-hmm. second second Corinthians six sixteen says, What agreement does the temple of God have with idols? For you are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will dwell in them and walk in them and will be their God and they shall be my people. And it goes on in verse 19. It says, what? Don't you know that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which you have of God and you are not your own? Yes. We've been bought with a price. Yeah. I want to go real quick in the book of Ezekiel chapter 8. And the Lord was giving visions you know, to Ezekiel and all that. And it says that he took him by a lock of his hair in the spirit and lifted him up and took him back to Jerusalem where he could see what was going on in the temple. And because he's prophesying, you know, everybody's, Jeremiah's prophesying all these things and all that, but he let Ezekiel see what was going on. And in verse five of chapter eight, and it says he takes him in by the way of the north you know, into the temple, and he sees this image of jealousy. You know, it was, a, it was an idol that was placed mm-hmm. in the temple. And God was jealous. And it was Ashtaroth. It was the, it was a, it was a sex goddess is what it was. And then further on, and he takes him down, and, and he says in verse 10, So I went and I saw in every form of creeping things and abominable beasts and all the idols of the house of Israel they were all painted on the wall mm. round about inside the temple, you know, where the, the priests abide. And the 70 men of the ancients of Israel had their censers with incense in their hand, but it was like a false fire. Mm. It was a false fire under the Lord because they weren't worshiping God. They were worshiping idols and they were facing the east. Mm. You know, the sun worshiping is what it was. And and there further on in the temple, there's another spot. And I got this out of uh, out of the Dakes translation of the Bible. And when he brought me to the door of the gate of the Lord's house, verse 14, which was toward the north, there sat woman weeping for Tammuz. And Tammuz was a Phoenician deity. The Babylonian sun god was a god of fertility. Mm. And all this is going on in the temple. And it was a stench in God's nostrils. That's true. And finally, when it crossed the line, yeah, that is when Babylon was, came down. There was no down. repentance. No repentance. You know, the Babylonians came in, and they went off into captivity, and the temple was destroyed. Yeah, yeah. And they spent 70 years in captivity. And that's because God won't share his temple with something else. Yes. And that's why it's so important for us, as be, as we become believers— to replace all of the old stuff that we were talking about a few minutes ago. Replace it. Let the Holy Spirit replace it with himself. Let the Holy Spirit replace those old things, those idle things, those, those things that are, are demonic, re, uh, those things that are, that are of our sin life, our past. Those things, has, as they're replaced with the Word of God, as they're replaced with the Spirit of God, then you have a life that is joyous, a life that is ready to be used by the Spirit of God. Wherever you go, whatever you're doing as you're walking in obedience to Him, being equipped for the coming global outpouring that has already begun. Yes, amen. If you enjoyed today's episode, 
please subscribe, rate, and review this podcast on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. Your review helps the show reach more people and spread the good news of God's global outpouring. Check out our website at globaloutpouring.org to find out more information, connect with us, get a link to our Facebook page and our YouTube channel. You can browse our online bookstore for amazing anointed material. Until next time, this is Sharon Buss. And I'm Philip Buss. God bless you with his overwhelming, loving presence. Thank you.